Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 272 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Well, it's official. It's been about, uh, I don't know how long it's been since boxing hasn't been on television, maybe six weeks. I don't have shit to talk about, man. I got nothing. What do you got? Um, you didn't tune in with bells on to watch the card in Nicaragua last night, Vin? Can't say that I did, buddy. Can't <laughs> say that I did. I, I don't I don't know what this this uh you know, this quarantined life, hashtag quarantine life is is doing to my brain. But I, I mean, maybe I'm just like, you know, turning into a casual. You know, I'm like a, I'm like a, you know, uh, a caterpillar that has finally turned into a metamorphosized into a uh, butterfly. You know what I mean? I just, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I've turned into a casual boxing fan because that did not like. There was no, um, no deep thrombosis. The throb meter, like it was the, you know, the limp meter was still in, 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 you know, in full drive, man. You know what I'm saying? I got no movement, zero. Yeah, I, I don't, I just don't, there's so many other things to, to do, like, and, and to watch and to so many, like, I don't know. There's just <laughs> a fight card in Nicaragua is, that's not what we talk about on this show. And it's and we're, not involving fighters that anybody cares about, man. It's like a local card in Nicaragua. Those don't even, those don't get covered when boxing is in full swing. Those don't get covered in Nicaragua. No, they don't. <laughs> All right. Then let's stop talking about it then. <laughs> Chocolatito was in the building, Ken. Come Chocolatito on. Chocolatito was in the building. He was in the building. Um, I mean, it'd be more fun if he just came over to my house and we hung out. We could play Xbox. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, we could watch old fights. We could go jump on the trampoline. Do a spoof. Do a bunch of spoof buddy cop pits. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Film a YouTube short. Be like fucking rush hour. <laughs> Chocolatito can be Jackie Chan. <laughs> Who are you, Chris Tucker? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can. Yeah, I'll just be the guy who ate Chris Tucker. How about that? <laughs> Oh man, let's <laughs> let's reel it back in. Yeah. No, it's going to be that kind of an episode because there's literally nothing to talk about. But we do appreciate all of you out there that are tuning into this show. Um, I know that there's a lot of the audience out there that that strictly tunes in for our amazing deep um, 
analytical abilities that we have on this show where we're able to, you know, break down fights like they've never really been broken down before. And, you know, people really like thoroughly enjoy the analysis and, um, you know, the scientific approach that we take when breaking down fights, you know what I mean? So those people aren't really interested in what's going on right now with the show. So, you know, um, if it wasn't for those listeners that just um, that love to hear us talk shit and the questions that you've submitted, we wouldn't have a show to do. So I'd like to extend during this trying time some some warm hugs, and lots of fuzzies. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the idiot savants of the boxing world, right? Yeah, that's what we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. That works for me. Uh, well, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 272 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Please subscribe on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, anywhere you can get an audio podcast. Check out the video version of the podcast on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Drop by our website, BoxingPod.com. That's BoxingPod.com. Follow the show on, on all social media platforms at the Boxing Rant. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. and at Vince Cummings 81. All right, Vin. Well, I guess this whole episode is for the fans, right? So it's time to just answer some questions and talk some shit. We're just jumping right in, huh? I mean, what else is there to talk about? <laughs> we talk about how um, how horrible Bob Arum looks in the old folks' home during the quarantine. <laughs> so, I, I didn't watch the video, but please, please inform me. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't really watch the video either. I was just looking at Bob, like kind of like, the fuck? Man, somebody, somebody mail that guy uh, a razor or something he's got this like weird like old man scraggly beard like those those things that in your face that grow the beard <laughs> like those things don't exist anymore so there's just these like little tiny it's kind of like the hair on the top of my head just like these little wispies you know? <laughs> somebody get bob some chia pet spread yeah exactly um I, I don't know man you know I have a hard time with these really old, like senior citizens that go off the deep end in response to the president. You know what I mean? Like the, like the Bob De Niro's of the world. And like, I put Bob Arum in that, in that same boat. Cause I feel like, like any interview that I hear with him is no disrespect to, to Bob Arum, the man that is like, you know, created much of the, um, the, you know, the boxing entertainment that, you know, that, um, we've seen over the last like 50 or 60 years. Like, that's not what I'm saying here at all. But what I'm saying is, is that I feel like this Bob, the Bob in the retirement home that uh, we've seen interviews of during the quarantine or whatever, I feel like his, when, when people are asking him about like, when's boxing going to come back? You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, what are the steps? Like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, you know, how soon do you think boxing is going to come back, Bob? I feel like Bob just were, just says the opposite of what the president says in his daily briefings. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he just repeats what MSNBC and CNN are saying where they're like, no, 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 never, never again. Will we be allowed out of our houses? No, I don't know. No more sports. No, no, we can't have fun anymore. We need to be careful. We need to stay. We need bigger government. We need, we need, they need to control everything. So I don't know what we're going to do. Boxing may never come back again. Definitely not crowds in the next three or five, 10, maybe 25 years. Like, you know, it's, it's just like, stop. Okay. Who like wh where, like, if you don't care anymore and you've checked out, like, and you got a fucking like, you know, like a, a bocce ball game to get to out and out in the center of the courtyard at the fucking Summerford uh, retirement home, then go get to your game, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let Todd DeBuff and that schmuck Carl Moretti fucking take the reins on the interviews. Can we get some optimism, Bob? 
You know what I'm I, saying? Dude, there's nothing this like throughout these last couple of weeks that I can't stand more than anybody that comes out with this like the doom and gloom fucking mentality of like, well, you know, this is just the new normal. Well, I guess we'll just have to get used to it. We'll never go to the movies again. It'll never be the same. We'll never be sitting shoulder to shoulder in a sports arena ever again. How could anyone ever think of breathing on another human being at this time? It's like, fucking, dude, it makes me want to just pick up my TV and give it a fucking Stone Cold Stunner or or Gronk Spike my fucking phone out the window driving 75 miles an hour down fucking 495 around DC. Like I just, I, 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 I can't take it anymore. Like if that's what you have to offer, just stay inside and fucking keep jerking off and doing whatever it is you do and hide in a corner and pout. Like I just, can we please just, just a little bit of optimism would be nice. Just a little bit, you know, uh, uh, not to bounce around, but same subject. It's like, you know, I was saying on the other podcast about Adam Schefter and how on the lead up to the NFL draft, how he was so doom and gloom and how he was basically throwing a fit on anybody's local radio show that he could get on to let them know about how the draft shouldn't happen. And there's carnage in the streets. You know, while this carnage in the streets is going on, I mean, you like, like how dare you have this? And guess what? Guess how much they used Adam Schefter during the draft coverage over three days? He was on TV like six times. Like, you know what, Adam? You're you're not as fucking indisposable as 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 you think you are. You know why? You may have all these millions of followers on Twitter, but just like I did, you hit unfollow, and guess what? You follow Ian Rappaport or fucking Field Yates or fucking Josina Anderson, and you get the same information. Can you believe it? Yeah. Uh-huh. It may be uh, two and a half seconds later. Right. But, you know, it's like, dude, that that's what you get for open like like openly lobbying to be unemployed because you're so fucking like, like, I, I don't know. I don't want to go down that road, but my point is, is like, yeah, man, like I'm it's, 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 it's all these people out there. It's like, dude, shut up. Like, seriously, shut up. Like we're going to get back to normal. Clearly. I know you're very disappointed because your, your, your personal and political vendetta against the president and your personal political beliefs aren't coming to fruition here. No folks, this isn't the, you know, Hey, Hey, somebody let socialism in the room. Who invited him to the party? Nah, <laughs> socialism's still waiting at the door. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> that kind of uh, that kind of weak sauce uh, groupthink mentality is not welcome here. You know what I mean? Like the fact that they're like they're disappointed that more people aren't dying. They're like, oh man, I thought more people were going to die from this. This this does not help my agenda whatsoever. I this don't, does not help my hatred against the president. How are these projections so wrong? They can't be. <laughs> they they promise. My whole bit here was based off of a million deaths. This can't be. Oh, dude, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing. What I did learn from the draft is me and you both need to change up the background setting. Because apparently if you put a bookcase with random books in there, like half the encyclopedia and, and the dictionary and the thesaurus, it makes you look really fucking smart, you know. That's that's what I've learned. Well, I think the funny, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It, do, it it would definitely make us look a lot smarter. That's for sure. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, you don't hear anybody like like they act like it's a normal. Like they didn't just fucking like like set that up. Like 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 people look at these pictures hanging behind me and they're like, oh yeah, he definitely meant to hang them that close together. It's probably like that throughout his entire house, right? <laughs> no. It's for the camera shot, you idiots. Diana Rossini from ESPN was the funniest though. She even said like she took a picture of her set like the first day that she was getting ready um to to broadcast and she goes i just got back from the library and i ran i borrowed as many books as i could to fill this shelf to make me look smarter <laughs> i didn't even see that that's perfect oh man oh, i don't know man i don't know i just think the whole doom and gloom mentality is is bogus um oh it definitely is you know, and, and people are just going to start screaming louder and louder. And it's just going to get to the point where people are like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, people that aren't working right now, uh, dude. Yeah. They, they can get like a couple months forgiveness on their, on their mortgages and on their car payments from their lenders. But uh, trust me, man, everybody's fucking kindness is going to go out the door when they realize that the media's propaganda was a little bit off on this one. Yeah. And they're also going to be upset when they go to, uh, restart making their payments and they go, uh, we need that, that back three months too. When, when are you getting us that? Like, we're not, we're not just rolling that to the back of your loan. Like that shit is the biggest fucking farce ever. Like, yeah, we're going to give you relief. And then as soon as this is over, we're going to want all of it at once. Yeah, dude, I looked into, uh, when I opened up my, my bank account app, my, uh, uh, w one of my car payments is through the same bank that I, I, I do my private banking with. And like right at the top of my app is like this advertisement bar that says like, you know, um, you know, if you can't afford to make your car payment this month, click here for options. Right. So I click on it and it says, yeah, you can get up from uh, one to three months of relief, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I just keep like following the prompts or whatever. And it gets down to like the approval page and it says, uh, by clicking accept, we will roll back one month payment to the back of your loan for $551. My fucking car payment's $375. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These <laughs> you gotta be bricks, kidding me. Man. Bunch of fucking assholes, man. Everybody taking advantage of the situation. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, what was it? Everybody got their $1,200 check and just so happened that Costco had an 85 inch TV for $1,200 the next day. And it was sold out, brother. How many did you get? <laughs> <laughs> they were sold out by the time I got there. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But that's how we do it in the United States. You know what I'm saying? Capitalism, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, um, at least we're optimistic here. You know what I'm saying? People used to call us haters. I guess... There's not enough boxing going around to call us haters. Oh, I know. I'm going to bring up your favorite subject real quick, and we don't have to spend much uh, time on this because you told me last week it was the last time we were ever going to talk about Devin Haney again. But it's a, <laughs> it's official. The WBC has reinstated Devin Haney, and he is now a two-time champ. <laughs> what the fuck? The email request was accepted. It was, and it even said in the article that he got an email saying that he was reinstated. <laughs> Oh, just fuck it. All right, we're moving on. I'm not even talking about that. Hold on. I'm going to make it even better. He, he, then he posts something on, uh, I think he posted it on Twitter too. And it was a picture of him holding the belt saying that I've beaten everybody uh, I needed to, to get to this point. Doesn't say I beat so-and-so for the belt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he even, even be, he even be artificial intelligence for the belt. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I earned this, you know, it's just like, dude, stop, man. Stop, stop. 
Stop it. Stop it. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn that belt. You did not beat a human being. I give, you know how many like, like fucking Yevgeny Gradoviches of the world <laughs> there's been in the history of boxing that had like a one hit wonder where they yeah. won a fucking belt and then it was gone as soon as they got it. But they, but, but at least they beat a human being for it. Right. You know how many vacant belts in the history of the corruptness of all of these sanctioning bodies, like how many fucking mandatories that were fought against like the 50th fighter in the world where belts were won. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all of those in the history of boxing have more credibility than the belt that Devin Haney has over his shoulder. And the fact that he doesn't know that or that he, or what would be even worse is that he does know that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just, I, I I don't know. You cannot, you, you, you cannot, like we talk about moving the goalposts and setting the bar. You can't set the bar any lower no. than what Devin Haney has done now that he has given credibility to the worst, most lopsided mismatches in the world to the fucking, when, uh, when Tyson Fury got stripped of his belt, right. And fucking Charles Martin, uh, fought against, uh, Vyacheslav Glaskov. Czar. Czar Glaskov. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, those, that right there is like, is more Hall of Fame worthy than fucking Devin Haney being a two time champion. A torn ACL is better than an email. <laughs> hey, at least he, at least they got a round or two in. Right. At least there were punches thrown. <laughs> oh, Devin, gotta love him. Got to love him. Um, all right. Let's fucking jump into these questions here, brother. For the fans, as we call it here. Well, hold on. Before we get to that, Vin, uh -oh. can we thank our sponsors real quick? Why don't you go ahead and do that, Ken? You're better at doing that than me. <laughs> is that the case, or is it just that I have the fucking the paper pulled up on my computer screen and you don't? You're better. Here. You're better than me. Here, here, let me airdrop this to you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prepared. <laughs> Oh no, we need to thank our sponsors. We appreciate uh Blue Wire Podcasts for uh um having us a part of their network and we'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode and um you know, the episode's moving forward here on the Boxing Rant podcast. Big up to betonline.ag with currently no NBA, NHL, MLB. You might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong because a lot of people got taking the shakedown street for the NFL draft this past weekend. And a lot of people won some cash. Um, our exclusive partner bet online still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They're bringing Vegas to you missing the NFL. No problem. Bet online is live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations. You can bet on, you can still bet on survivor, big brother, American idol stock prices, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest had one of those for lunch. Would have definitely lost the eating contest. Um, uh, let's see. BetOnline AG uh, is open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's uh, promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag is your online wagering solution. Then, yesterday in the lead-up to our late-night poker tournament that we had, Yes. Wanted to uh, get the juices flowing, so went on betonline.ag, uh, found a little cash still in the poker um, app portion of uh, BetOnline and played in a $60, um, what was it, a $60 nine-player? Nine no, six-player turbo. 
uh, paid the top two, finished second place. Well, there you go. I got in there as well. I did the same exact thing, buddy. What's your What's your screen name, Vin? Oh, it's Vincent eighty one, Ken. Uh, you weren't at the table. No, I was not at the table, and I lost fifty bucks quickly. <laughs> yeah, so you win some, you lose some. Uh, but either way, uh, Bet Online's got some competitive tournaments for you. I think tonight they have a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar guarantee poker tournament. That started at one p.m. today, brother. Did it? Yes. There's some late registration going on till three, so let's hurry the fuck up. <laughs> All right. Well, big up to our sponsor, Bet Online. Dot ag. All right, man. Let's get to the mailbag. Let's do it. All right. First question. Uh, uh, repeat. Repeat question here from a uh, Mister K. He says, "What is the best entrance music slash theme of a fighter? And can you tell us any memorable concert stories? Who you got for uh, for for theme music? Ah, oh, man. Klitschko's entrances were were always awesome in Germany. Um." But just the entrances, uh, like throughout my lifetime, there's none better than Mike Mike Tyson. Period. End of story. His his walkouts, and that's uh, that Tupac song, and that walk those walkouts that he had. No robe, belts over his shoulder, fast walk to the ring. Just the look on his face. There's there's nothing that comes close to that for me. Hmm. Yeah. As far as fighters' entrances or entrance songs go. Um, I'm going to have to go with anybody that's walking to the ring with Adrian Broner because there's usually <laughs> some, some kind of dance routine on the way in and some guy rapping. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got? You've just sparked my memory with the greatest entry of all time in Cowboys Stadium when Joshua Clate fought Manny Pacquiao. It is the absolute greatest fucking entrance in the history of the sport of boxing. Give us a a, a, a description. <laughs> oh, he's actually dancing, folks. <laughs> he was he was killing it down the aisle, Ken. <laughs> oh shit! Check it out. <laughs> um, what was the uh, second part of the question? Any uh, memorable concert stories? I mean, I I went to so many fucking concerts and. A lot of times I was on acid, so I don't really, really, really remember, Ken. You did LSD at concerts, Vin? <sighs> Amongst many other places, you know, school environments, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> yes. I wonder if I wonder if our YouTube commenters that diagnose us with mental disorders every day um, needed that information before they were able to lay down the diagnosis. <laughs> um, well, that explains a lot. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead. I mean, what are some memorable concerts that, you, that you've been to? Uh, the best concert I've ever been to was the Metallica Summer Sanitarium, which I believe you were at too. Which was Metallica, Corn, Kid Rock was the was the top three bands. I uh, just fucking from top to bottom was just an awesome show. I was there. Uh, any like killer stories? Not besides like mosh pit shit, like just absolutely wrecking people in mosh pits. What, hold on. Were you at the, were you at the, um, was it Metallica or Pantera where there was like a mudslide at, at Meriwether post pavilion that I did. So I was at Metallica Meriwether post pavilion and we got into a fight with some juice heads there, really? like just some straight up fucking meatheads. And I got grabbed by a security guard from the place and he had my arms behind my back and this, I mean, just the ultimate meathead dude came up and took two free just just wung some some hooks at me and he landed and i was like 
those were the weakest fucking punches I've ever felt in my life. You fucking meathead. I laughed at him. I remember laughing at him after he landed and my arms are being held behind my back and I break free. And like, we're, it was just, it was straight up chaos. One of our boys ended up getting flipped over the fucking railing and like down eight foot onto like some concrete. It's like, is he fucking dead? <laughs> but I, dude, other than that, for concert stories for me, it's just crazy mosh pit shit, man. Just wrecking people in mosh pits. What are some concerts that you've been to though? Like name some bands. Uh, let's see. Um, I went to a ton of Ozfest, So, you know, I saw Pantera, Tool, Godsmack, uh, Black Sabbath, Ozzy. I saw uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant in their last uh, like reunion tour. Audio Slave, Rage, Wu Tang. Fuck, man! So, so many, so many. G three, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, uh, Eric Johnson. Just, uh, dude, I went to so many concerts in the early late two late nineties, early two thousands. It's ridiculous. I have more ticket stubs to concerts than I have of anything in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, well, I can tell you the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to kick it off with probably the, the worst concert that I went to. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was for a good reason. Um, <laughs> I was, I was uh, 16. I was like a junior in high school and I went to a matchbox 20 concert. Oh, you're, at, you're canceled, dude. <laughs> I went to a matchbox 20 can concert. <laughs> at uh at merriweather with uh um with you know dude i was i was chasing tail man i went i, I went with a girl that i was trying to hit on i dude i got dragged to a tori amos concert so i lose chop, see there you go chop my dick off right now uh uh soul asylum was there though so you know uh, a little redeeming uh, you know they looked a little edgy um <laughs> uh let's see memorable concert experiences um I got thrown out of a Cypress Hill concert at at uh, at the 930 Club. Uh, me and our, our our buddy Beck, the inventor of the unorthodox style of boxing, um, <laughs> went to. He had a, he had a hookup through. He worked at a place down on the historic C and O Canal, and he ran like a snack shop, like a snack bar there. Um, and like this, the owner of the 930 Club used to like. He used to park his car down there and rent bikes and canoes and whatever else. And Mike became friends with him or Beck became friends with him. And, uh, so he used to get us free tickets to like any show that we wanted to see at the nine thirty club. Like we saw clutch. Um, we saw, uh, well the Cypress Hill concert in particular. So we get an ounce of just like, you know, dirt swag weed. I don't even know. Like back then, what did an ounce cost? Like 80 bucks or something like that. A hundred tops. Yeah. A hundred tops. So we rolled, yeah, just a, a whole cigarette box full of joints, right? We took a blunt box, rolled it full of blunts. We rolled up as much weed as we possibly could. We had will call tickets. We didn't have to wait in line and go through security. We just walked right in. So we're the first people uh, inside the 930 Club. So we just go right up to the front of the stage, okay? And we're standing there, and I'm meeting uh, two of my friends from college, from University of South Carolina, drove up from Columbia, South Carolina to meet us at the concert in Washington, D.C., and, um, so we're up front and we get through, well, the first band that came on was this band called mindless self-indulgence. You ever heard of them? I have not. This guy comes out dressed like two Face from Batman. So he was like half like tuxedo with his hair parted. And the other half was like neon pink fishnets and like a fucking spikes coming out of his head. And he's drinking Pepto-Bismol 
right? And spitting it all over everybody in the crowd. So that's how the night started, Ugh. right? Yeah, they opened for Cypress Hill. So then Cypress comes on stage. We're sitting right up front. Dude, we get through this entire concert. We are blazing down. I mean, smoking our faces off. Be Real comes up to the microphone and he's like, hey, anybody out there, Gus, uh, you know, throw some weed up here. And everybody's throwing joints up on stage and he's picking them up and lighting them and just fucking smoking splits. I'm like, dude, what if somebody laced that shit with PCP? Right. But anyway, so we're getting blazed out of our face and then it just escalates. And we're, we're just so out of our minds that uh, that that Beck and I like light up a blunt and we're blowing shotguns. So these massive clouds of smoke are just like coming out from like everybody that's bl- we're blowing guns to everybody around us. Fucking security comes and snatches us out and throws us out at the end of the concert. Like while Cypress was still on stage. You can smoke. Smoking's okay, but blowing shotguns, you guys, you're crossing the fucking line here, right? Uh, it was obnoxious. Like we were blowing like hot guns. Like, dude, it was obnoxious. So there's that. I saw Cypress Hill again at the HF Festival. It was Cypress Hill, Godsmack. Stone Temple Pilots and Rage Against the Machine headlined in the pouring down fucking rain at the Redskins Stadium. Um, that was memorable. I saw Tool like three weeks after 9-11 in Washington, D.C. Um, that was an epic concert. Um, I'm trying to think of like a funny-ass concert story. I mean, dude, I've seen Korn probably, probably five or six times. I've seen Rage Against the Machine three or four times. I've seen Metallica twice. Um, I've, dude, I've been to so many fucking hip hop concerts. It's unbelievable. I saw, I saw cool Keith, um, who's an old school, like, like if, if, if people know underground hip hop, I mean, he goes back, you know, back in the eighties to like the birth of, of hip hop or whatever, but he was throwing porn mags into the crowd <laughs> and he was giving away gift bags. He had fucking like sandwich bags full with like a piece of fried chicken and a fucking juice box that he was throwing out into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> he was rapping. He was rapping. He goes, chicken and juice, chicken and juice, chicken and juice in my Timbo boots, chicken and juice. And everybody in the crowd was singing along with him. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Um, but the only the only scrap that I ever got into at a concert, and people are going to laugh at this, okay, was at the University of Maryland in 1999 at the MTV Campus Invasion. Oh, God. Sugar Ray and Orgy. Okay. <laughs> now, look, folks, before Sugar Ray became like a pop star, right? Before the all around the world, da, 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 you know that song? Yes. <laughs> Fucking worst. The worst. But before that, like people don't realize like a lot of like rock pop music or whatever, they don't, they don't start off sounding like that, right? They, they write a catchy tune and they get famous and then they're asked to try to repeat their cheesiness. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to play some pretty hard ska, you know, like punk music, you know what I mean? Right. So most of the concert that when sugar Ray was playing was, he was playing like his, his songs that you've never heard before. So it got fucking violent, man. And there was a huge mosh pit, huge mosh pit. And I remember I was wearing my 1998 Maryland state championship baseball ring. And one of our boys, we had, I was, I was there with a group of guys, probably 20 deep. One of our boys, Swope, goes flying into the mosh pit and gets blindsided by these redneck gangsters, these skinny ass fucking wife beater wearing redneck gangsters, right? And he gets blindsided. And then all of a sudden you just see one of our boys go running in and another one and a brawl erupts. 
And I just remember hitting a guy, one of those RNGs, with my state championship baseball ring, and I couldn't get it off my finger for like two weeks (laughs) because it broke my knuckle. At a fucking Sugar Ray concert. That's fucking terrible, dude. (laughs) That's got to be the only fight in the history of a Sugar Ray concert. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It was violent. Leave it to the redneck gangsters around the DMV to cause that to happen. Dude, he was blacked out drunk on stage launching glass beer bottles into the crowd on a college campus. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dude, he was he was wasted. Who would have thought uh, they would be a recipe for, for a fucking disaster? Yeah, that Mark McGrath guy is not as nice as you think. <laughs> that Mark McGrath guy is full of shit, man. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of a long-winded, uh, terrible answers to all of that. But, I, dude, <clears throat> I have been to many a concert, and um, I, I've been to a lot of really, really good ones, man. I yeah. would say probably the best band, the best actual concert that I've seen live, though, was... Um, Rage Against the Machine and Gangstar at the Baltimore Arena. And it was uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal, um, like, you know, that that convicted cop killer in, in Philadelphia. Like, they were raising funds for it. Mm-hmm. So the Baltimore police, <clears throat> they uh, uh, they refused to provide security for the concert. So inside of, of Baltimore, I can't believe they even let the, like, like, the venue allowed the concert to go on. But there was no security inside the fucking venue at all. And outside of the arena, and, and you know where the Baltimore arena is. It's in the fucking middle of the city. Yeah. Um, there was probably like, I don't know, like 500 Baltimore City cops protesting outside of the concert. And, I mean, fucking cops on horse, on motorcycles. They were everywhere, but not inside. And by the end of that concert, there was a fucking riot, an absolute riot. Rage's fucking all their production gear, all their sound gear that was like, you know, fenced off down in like the, you know, down on the floor, but towards the back. No, people were grabbing the fucking railings and launching them and flipping over tables. Dude, it was absolute chaos. Everybody ran for their lives after that concert. See, that makes sense at a Rage concert. (laughs) Not when Mark McGrath's on stage. Um, can we just, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, ask our producer to, uh, to cut out the matchbox 20 and the, uh, sugar Ray stuff <laughs> matchbox 20. Yeah. Like I said, I went to Tori Amos and my first concert was no doubt and Bush. So yeah, I mean, I'm not much better. Hey man. Hey man. Bush. Bush is awesome. Bush yeah. fucking sucked ass, dude. <laughs> they were fucking terrible. Oh, man. All right, let's keep it moving here, brother. Enough of that nonsense. Um, From our boy, Kaiser, on Twitter. He says, why do you hate on my boy, Mark Kriegel, so much, Ken? He specifically asked you, why do you hate on Mark Kriegel so much? Um, I think it's just the way he's just one of those guys that you just look at him and you want to punch him. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't say it, I was going to say it. I, I don't know, man. You know, I mean, look, I, I know I've seen the comments on all of our social media and on our YouTube channel of what people think about the way that I look. So, um, you know, and that's hey, we're able to, you know, uh, poke fun at ourselves on this show anyway. So right. I'm not one to talk here, but I can tell you anybody that has the nerve to wear a fucking turtleneck and have the barber shape up their goatee into little tiny thin lines and you can still see 
like the fucking five o'clock shadow around the little tiny thin lines has a level of ego and just pompousness to the point where you know that they do not put their ass cheeks on the toilet when they shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that wasn't worth. I didn't expect it to take a turn like that. Like, Grant. like I just, I don't even have anything like, like, like within reach that I could like grab to like show this. But I just picture Mark Kriegel like, like sitting on this massively oversized fucking chair. Like the chair is so big, and he's sitting by a fireplace, right? And it has this raging fire, this huge hearth, but the chair's so big, he looks like a little kid sitting in it with his fucking turtleneck on, okay? And like a mixed drink. It would be something with like an umbrella in it and a big fluffy fat cat. And him just like sitting there, like just petting it while it purrs and him being like, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. Is he the bad guy from Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just the way that, you know, I just think in general, I, his delivery is pretentious. It's like spit it out. If I, if, I, if I did this show like this, you guys <laughs> would all slit your wrists. It's, it's like, it's, you can't just tell us it's got to be. It's got to be a story. It's got to be exaggerated. It's got to be kindergarten story time with Mark Kriegel, which we've been saying for years. It's like, I don't have a problem with the guy. The guy does good fucking pieces. Like, fine. Good. Good for him. Like, I, you know, his, his shit is good, but it's the delivery. It's like, okay, man, like I, I you, you're not selling me anything. Just tell me like it, you're not a fucking this. There's not a, a trailer going on in the background and you're, you're explaining just spit the shit out and get it fucking over with, please. Like it's, we don't need 10 minutes of this delivery where it's the hands are always doing this. And (laughs) the pacing is so fucking slow that I want to kill myself. Like I, I, it's one of the things where like, in order for me to sit through it, I need my eyelids taped open by somebody or else I'm just, I I change the channel. It's like when something's so uncomfortable on TV, you're like, I can't even fucking watch this. (laughs) <laughs> get a guy just get, i don't know the guy's just just whatever mark kriegel is whatever man i you know i don't have nothing against the guy but jesus christ get to the fucking point already yeah i mean congratulations on all of his awards and you know everybody that works with him loves him awesome awesome you know it's like those it's like those were like I, I don't really care about a fucking reporter liking mark kriegel that doesn't mean i have to no. and you know it, it you know it's like these people like uh you know, that are beat reporters for like your local NFL team. Like when somebody gets cut, right? Like Josh Norman sucked last year for the Redskins. He was so fucking bad. I am shocked that he got another contract. He was historically awful. But as soon as the Redskins cut him, right? And he signs with the Bills. All the local reporters are like, I'm so glad that I'm so happy for Josh. I mean, he always gave me the time of day and he was always so nice. I don't give a fuck. He sucked. He was horrible. He was the worst football player since Albert Hainsworth to ever wear a Redskins uniform. And that's saying a lot of, especially over the last 25 years. And it's the same thing with Kriegel. I don't care if he's a nice guy. I don't know him. If I did see him, I'd probably be like, hey, look, it's the nicest man in the world. And that's fantastic. And that's all fine and good. But 
I think generally speaking, and I really got my fair shake of it because I watched all of the NFL draft this past weekend, right? And the biggest problem that I had was the exploitation of like all of these people's personal problems. Everybody that got drafted, their, their dad died when they were 13. I mean, one guy's dad was hit by a, a, a fucking semi truck while, while, be, while, while being a, uh, you know, doing service to, you know, uh, a pedestrian stranded on the side of the road. He was just helping out changing a tire. Another guy slipped on loose gravel and was plowed by a truck. I'm like, the fuck is going on here, man? Like everybody, they, they went so deep into everybody's drama and their ghosts and they, they, they turned everybody's five minute vignette about like, I, I don't know, man, I, I don't need that stuff. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't tune in for that stuff. If you want to get my wife to sit there longer with me and be engaged, I mean, maybe, but then it gets to the point where it's like, hold on a second. We're at the 124th pick in the draft, and this is the 122nd player whose dad died in the last five years. <laughs> it was, you know what I'm saying? It was very fucking odd watching them do that. Like they were uh, the the amount of stretching going on to like create some backstories. Like nobody really cares. Like sorry, man, I, I'm not. You know, like I'm not. Uh, it sucks that that happened to you, but nobody that's tuned into the draft gives a fuck. They really don't. Yeah, and, and I'm not making I, I'm not making fun of what happened to these people. I, again, I, it's these networks that think that they're doing a service. They're creating a TV show by exploiting these guys on their biggest day ever. Like the biggest day of their lives. Like they just became millionaires. They just be able to take care of like like generational wealth to take care of their their family for, you know, to buy their their mama house and you know, whatever else, man, to improve their quality of lives. And it's all doom and gloom. And that's like Mark Kriegel's role. It's it's always a heartthrob story. It's always, hmm, we really need to connect these guys to the public. They need to be emotionally in bed. I'm here for the fights, motherfucker. Yes. I'm not like, I don't need to cry before we see the brutality. All right. I'm a cold-blooded savage, Vin. Yes, you are, Ken. Yes, you are. There, there used to be a saying back in the day. What was it? The Ken man saws women in half. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. <laughs> I'm actually blushing. Uh, that was hilarious. <laughs> the Ken man saws women in half. It was just a picture of you that existed with this look on your face and that line came out of it. Do you remember? <laughs> do you, I don't know why this reminds me of that, but just being savage. Do you remember that day that we went to go play golf and there was like eight of us and it was like 40 degrees. We were going to play at Glade Valley and it was like, nah, fuck this. And we all just went to glory days and drank. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <clears throat> and we're sitting there at that high top. And my seat was right next to the golden tea yeah, machine. I, I thought about this. I thought about this story when you told me your wife was pregnant the first time I went, oh, this, <laughs> this can't be, this, this is not going to work out good. <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting there drinking. And man, I had, I have two kids now and I, I swear my, my patience level has improved big time. I mean, I think most people will tell you that we're, 
um, that were impatient that had children that it definitely well, it makes or breaks you. I'll put it that way. Right. <laughs> there are a lot of dads that are like, nah, I'm tapping out. See you guys later. Good luck with life. Going out for some cigarettes. See you in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but we're sitting there, man. I'll, I'll never forget it. We're drinking. And just right next to me, I'm, I'm like two feet from the golden tea machine. It's right next to me. And I just hear this, just bang, 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 just knock, 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 bang, 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 bang. And I look over and there's like an eight-year-old kid that is, he's not even playing golden tea. He's just fucking mashing all the buttons. You remember that? <laughs> Dude, I'll never forget it. <laughs> Do you remember what I said to him? I don't remember what you said. I just remember the look on your face like you were about to fucking kill that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, I leaned over. And got like, my face was like fucking like 12 inches from him. And I said, if you fucking hit one more button on that fucking video game, I'm going to drag you over to your fucking parents and you're going to get your ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's horrible. It was it's at so that point in time. I was like, well, Ken's never going to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> and here we sit. Uh, I'm just one of those people, man. Like, like control your kids. Like if, if, if my kids are acting up, <laughs> I'm leaving, <Yeah. laughs> you, know, you know what I'm, I'm saying? Objecting the rest of the room to what I have to deal with. You don't get out enough. We're going to enjoy this steak dinner. I don't care how much of an asshole he's being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nah, fucking box that up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. Oh dude. I, that's what literally one of the funniest, <laughs> I just remember looking at your face and being like, Oh shit, here we go. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's keep it moving here. The next question is from at Mickey. I cannot even begin. Sakunjanin. Mickey Sakunjanin. Uh, if, if I said it wrong, go fuck yourself. I don't care. Um, if you guys were reporters or commentators on one of the major boxing platforms, would you find it hard to share your raw, honest views like you do on the pod, or would you sell out to keep the platform happy? I, I can say this. We're still here doing this podcast. That uh, should be enough for everybody to say that we haven't sold out and we never will sell out. We've had opportunities, and I don't know, some call us stupid. I would say we're stupid for some of the shit that we didn't do, but. Yeah, that's one of the things that we've always talked about. Well, we're, we're not we're not going to sell out what we do on this podcast. Now, if it was something else like calling a fight, I don't have to be a dickhead to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but to talk shit on my podcast, on our podcast that we created, nah, you ain't, you're not you're not taking anything from this. Be honest, man. If you were sitting ringside calling an Adrian Broner fight, you'd be able to keep a straight face. Nah, I'd probably be more worried about trying to hang out with AB after the fight. <laughs> hey, you sell out. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's, it is a complete fantasy question because the reason why we're not doing any of that is because we haven't sold out. Right. Like there's a completely different angle. Like we could have taken with this show. We know enough people, um, you know, we, this show could have been turned into just another boxing show that interviews a different fighter every episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we totally could have went down that road and see where, you know, it may or may not have taken us. Um, you know, we could have, there's, there's been a lot of people in boxing that have made it to some level of consistent working in the industry, um, that have done nothing but, you know, ass kissing and, 
um, that, you know, Brown knows and, and call, you know, people in boxing are easily accessible. I mean, you can get a hold of, of people, um, you know, relatively easily. So, you know, we just haven't done any of, any of that. We haven't like, you know, sent our, our, our show to, you know, different places to say, Hey, check this out. What do you think? Uh, l- let me pitch you this. <laughs> like, no, I mean, we would have been like, nobody in their right mind would pick us up and then be like, Hey, but can you clean it up? You know what I mean? If you like, they, they'd be like, no, we're not picking those guys. They're fucking idiots. Nah, yeah. You, you cleaning this show up ruins the entire show. <laughs> What you you don't want to do a show like this, Ben? No, I'm pretty good on that, Ken. Pretty good on that. Well, I'll tell you what, he's been working hard for this bout. <laughs> Did you see that combination he threw? Yeah. That I, was amazing. I just I can't fucking do it, man. I can't do it. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's move it. Keep it moving here. From Jeeve to Believe. This is a good one, Ken. Mm-hmm. Is Andy Ruiz legit or is he just a fat fucking empanada? By the way, empanadas are fucking delicious. One of the most underrated foods, period. I would agree. I would agree. I'm not, but not the Seven Eleven ones. Seven Eleven makes empanadas. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. If they do, I'm gonna head to Seven Eleven and just check it out real quick after the show. <laughs> Uh, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> is Andy Ruiz legit or is he just a fat fucking empanada, Ken? He's a legit fat fucking empanada. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's both, right? Yeah. He's got skills, but he's a fat ass. So, you know, if he can control his eating, which I can't control my eating, so I'm not going to sit here and try to tell him to control his. No, I mean, that's just it. You know, if I wasn't a fat fuck, I would probably be a stripper at least. You know what I mean? <laughs> probably. Definitely, actually. You can't be sawing women in half, Ken. Oh, that, that's what my name would be. <laughs> oh, no, Bone Saw. <laughs> Randy and Macho Man's character from Spider Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That would be my stripper name. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, come into the <laughs> come into the stage. It's Bonesaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too fucking good. Half a little a chainsaw hanging off my tongue, and I'd come out and be like, Bing! you know, <laughs> you know how Garth is in Wayne's World when he comes out the foxy lady and he's like doing his little pelvic thrust or whatever. I'd be going. Vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> uh, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> I love how we start off with <laughs> fat fuck empanada and and, and a chainsaw banana hammock. <laughs> <laughs> only on the boxing rant, Ken. Only on the boxing rant. All right. Next one from at Raz Nose. Who has the best chin pound for pound in boxing in the last 20 years? Ooh, man, that's tough. Um, I mean, is it, I think there's been a lot of iron chins that you, know, you can get dropped and have an iron chin, right? Or is it just guys that have never been on the canvas? Cause I don't know too many. I think there's, there's only one answer to this question, Ken. And I, and I think it's Ruslan Provodnikov. Oof, man. Have you seen pictures of him lately? No, I haven't. He looks like a 
big fat woman. Like his <laughs> his face, like he's he's like all bundled up, yeah. like running in Siberia. I mean, he looks weather. You think we look rough? I don't know. Dude, he <laughs> I don't know who you talking about. I look good. <laughs> <laughs> I look horrible. <clears throat> um Oh, Provodnikov, man. I mean, did Jeez. he ever take a step backwards? Ever. I, I Like, honestly. I mean, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I mean, you want to talk about a just a, a contender, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's like a Mickey Ward type character, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, he's in that same category as Mickey Ward. Wouldn't you, like, consider them the same type of fighter? Yeah, I'd, I'd put Provodnikov. Ah. I don't know. Yeah, they probably that's pretty that's a good debate there. I'd say they're pretty equal. Yeah. Maybe Provodnikov slightly above, but nah, I don't know, man. That's very close. That's the only kind of mythical matchup I like thinking about. <laughs> yeah, right. You like, know what I'm saying? Oh, there's not much to think about here. It's gonna be bloody. It's gonna be awesome. Let's just watch it. <laughs> um somebody should die, but nobody will. <laughs> <laughs> many years, uh, many years later, they will suffer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Provodnikov, um, Golovkin, uh, Frotch, um, Frotch, Andre Ward. Frotch is a good one. Ward's a good one. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. He hasn't. He hadn't been clipped too much, but he, had, dude, uh, dude, that shot he took from fucking Maidana when his tooth flew out. Yeah, that's dude. He's got, <laughs> that was a fucking shot. He has got one of the mo- one of the most underrated chins in the history of boxing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of like you know pretty much fighters over the last 10 years, like guys that are, what have you done for me lately? Kind of, kind of memories. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's, that's all I could come, could come up with was Provodnikov. That was the first name that came to mind for me. Yeah. I think that that's an obvious one, man. I mean, dude, Provodnikov has an iron chin. Uh, I can't think of anybody else. John Molina had a pretty good chin there for a while. He did. He did. He goes down, but he'll take it. It's like, John Molina has to go down a couple times before he's like, all right, now I'm I'm ready to get hit now. <laughs> I'm warmed up. Yeah, go ahead and punch <laughs> me all you want now. I don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, dude, I'm totally missing a lot of people. Um, but I would say probably for me, yeah, Provodnikov, Golovkin, and Frotch. Yep, yep. I like those. I like those. All right, moving on. Uh, from the purveyor of the world's shittiest breakfasts, one Coach Larry has chimed in, Ken. He wants to know what current, fighter is the most must see and that that is in pay to travel to watch them fight well larry um <laughs> thanks for not uh overcooking baby elk penises anymore with your breakfast we'd, we'd like to thank you for that yeah and dude i'm telling you it doesn't matter how many times you ash your morning cigarettes on your breakfast that's never going to become a thing <laughs> <laughs> Never going to become a thing. And dude, and call your fucking, your landscaper or somebody to clean out your pond because your coffee looks horrible. I take a little butter in my coffee, Larry, so I know where you're coming from, pal. Fucking pond water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Who was the fighter you would, uh, today that you would pay to travel to see? Um, see, that's a. It's a catch twenty two, man. There's a couple guys that I'd like to see, but they're kind of like languishing right now. I'd probably say at the top of the list for a fighter that I haven't seen yet. I'll put it that way. Um, so I don't know if he's must see or not. Uh, it's probably Terrence Crawford. He's probably the one I want to see the most. Yep. You know, but I want to see him in a real fight. 
Yeah, I want to see Crawford. For me right now, because I've seen a bunch of guys, but I haven't seen Crawford, and I have not seen Pacquiao. So I would like those are I'd like to see Pacquiao before it's all said and done. Even though, well, how about Pacquiao Crawford? Because uh, Bob said in the retirement home that uh, that that's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Thanks, Bob. Sure. You you couldn't make it while he was while they shared the same stable while they both talked to you. Now you're gonna get it done. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah, I'm sure Pacquiao's gonna agree to that fight after he didn't want the fight the first time, and then you shipped him out to Australia to get job as a thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that happened, right? Oh, or am I making stuff up? No, I don't think you're making anything up there. I think <laughs> you could go back and watch that fight and be like, why is this referee just letting Horn do whatever he wants? Like, this is pretty egregious shit he's doing here. And Bob's in the crowd. They go over to fucking Pacquiao's mom, and she's casting spells. And then the camera goes over to Bob, and, and Bob's just going, fuck you, Pacquiao. <laughs> Fuck you. 20, fuck you and your 20 million guarantee. You'll, you'll take six and you'll like it. Motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to put the rest towards taxes for you. <laughs> um, but if I had this look, okay. So, so, so who are some fighters that you've seen live that are must see, uh, the most must see fighters I've seen live are Lomachenko, uh, Usyk and Chocolatito. Those would be the three must see guys that I've seen. Um, thank you. Throw Triple G in there. It's all Triple G versus Lemieux, and that was like the peak of Triple G's powers. Uh, who else? You saw Dre. I saw, saw Frotch. Saw Dre, saw Frotch, saw Sergio, Paul Williams, that knockout. Um, Pavlik. Pavlik Martinez. Ah, dude, there's so many fights that I've been to now. Like, I have to break out my ticket stubs and look at it. I, like I've forgotten half the fights I've fucking been to. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I've seen Canelo. I've seen Lomachenko. I've seen Kovalev. Um, seen Provodnikov. Mm -hmm. Seen Matisse. Um, Cotto. Sergio. Felix Verdejo. Felix Verdejo. <laughs> um, <clears throat> saw the dingling man. <laughs> you did see the dingling man. I missed out on that. I only seen him on Comcast back in the day or <laughs> fighting around DC. Well, the dingling man. Um, no, I don't know, man. I mean, look, we can go round and round on this. I think if there's a, a fighter out there that is must see that if there's one fighter that I could go see uh, live right now, um, that the fight, the fight that I would want to go see would be Chocolatito Estrada, mm -hmm. uh, Estrada too. Okay, that, that's the fight I want to go see. But if there was one fighter that I that that is I I just I I have got to see live before he retires, that's Artur Baturbiev. I need to see mm. how fucking nasty of a human being that man is in person, and I also want to hear what his punches sound like when they land on somebody's skull. That that is an excellent call there. Throw him throw him definitely up top of my list with Crawford too. I think right now if there's one fighter that I would pay the most to travel to see, it would be Crawford or, uh, or in a way that would, those would be the two guys that I would say I, I need to get out and see right now. Did you hear that, uh, um, that, uh, Casimero might be fighting somebody else until they can get a crowd, you know, in, in the arena for the in a way fight. Yeah. And I mean, he's still stuck over in, in, in Japan, right? Yeah, I guess. Oh, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think it it, it, it leads to a, a, a bigger issue. 
I don't think we're going to get any good fights for a long time, man. No. Dude, they're not going to pass up gates. Like some of these gates are like, they need that money. You're not just going to throw away a couple million dollars on a gate. Like, I, and, and don't think for a second. I mean, I know that there, there, there's a lot of heartwarming stuff going on in the world right now. And like, uh, there's a lot of people making sacrifices and stuff. And a lot of people out there, um, you know, that, that are, that are experiencing really tough times, but don't mistake all of this charitable goodwill that's going on in the world right now and fucking conflate that with boxing promoters. Because I can tell you right now, at the end of the day, these boxing promoters aren't going to put on your favorite fights because you deserve to see great fights because boxing has had a long layoff. They, they have never, there's never been a successful boxing promoter that's put on an event because he, they want you to be entertained. I'm pretty sure their bottom lines are pretty tight as it is. So I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to go around just losing money for us to be entertained. Like you said, it's not, that's not how business works, man. They're not in boxing. No, absolutely. Well, they're all fucking flying by their seat of their pants. You think old fucking Bob is going to let somebody is going to sign over a power of attorney to his 300 milli that he's got in the bank and be like, Hey, Bob's going to, he's going to donate some of his fortune to give us the fights we want. Yeah, right. Bob's going to take that shit to the grave and tell all of us to fuck off. He's probably going to tell his family to fuck off. He's giving it all to charity. <laughs> what a the, char- the charity of Bob Arum's burial fund. <laughs> uh, I love Bob Arum, but he's an easy target right now. Oh, he definitely is. He is just got the target square on his fucking face. Um, um, a- a- any more questions? We got one more, sir. One more and we will ski daddle. This is from L Chicano. Jonathan Banks said he is turning down a third fight with Canelo. Why does triple G get a pass for fighting a guy like Cesar Meta? I don't, I don't uh, think anybody's, has anybody given him a pass for that? Nobody wants to see that fight. Nobody's offering like, ah, he's earned it. Let him fight it. Nah, it's, it just is what it is. It's a fucking terrible mandatory fight. And secondly, let's not put uh, much weight on what, what Jonathan Banks says as far as the, the career of Triple G goes down the stretch. Yeah, I think um, Jonathan Banks was brought in to run the stopwatch and hold the mitts. Yes. Uh, y- you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that... Uh, no, he's going he's gonna to turn Triple G into an urban fighter, Ken. He's going to get on his toes and box. Oh, so this is going to be like Rocky Three. <laughs> yeah. That's what they'd like you to believe. Yes. Oh, okay. Nice. So they're going to take, uh, they're going to take, uh, G into the Detroit inner city. That was LA man. Come on, man. Nah, but that, isn't that where bank yeah. banks, a, yes. a crunk guy. He is a crunk guy. Yes. Jeez. Yeah. I, look, man, if, if Jonathan banks says, if I'm triple G and Jonathan banks is like, Hey G nah, man, nah, ain't a good look for us. We ain't taking this fight. I'd be like, okay, John. <laughs> I'll see you never again. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for the input. Have a nice day. Yeah, and who's given Triple G a pass? I mean, when somebody frames a question like like that, it immediately makes me think, okay, Canelo fanboy, like why would you frame a question like that? Who's giving him a pass? It, this is okay, if you guys don't realize, like he's an old fighter that just came out of a fucking excruciating war of a fight, right? So just like Canelo was about to fight Billy Joe Saunders, <laughs> Triple G had a fight signed to fight his mandatory. 
So if he has to fight his mandatory before he fights Canelo, Canelo still wants to fight Billy Joe Saunders before before he fights Golovkin. This is mutual. It's not like like one side's like, oh, I, hey, I'd bypass that fight and go right to it. I, I mean, come on. I mean, look look at him. Why is he taking that Sarah's meta fight? Like, that's bullshit, man. I wanted to fight him immediately. Like, no. Both fights want to have a fight before they fight each other. Like, I think that that's been pretty well said. Jonathan Banks is an irrelevant player in the careers of Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. And, dude, I mean, at the end of the day, get over it. Fucking get over it. I mean, Canelo fought fucking Liam Smith. He fought Amir Khan. He fought James Kirkland. He fought Rocky Fielding. So stop. Okay? Yes, but those are stop. those are recognizable names, Ken. Okay? I can guarantee you right now that if you polled 300 million people in America, the same amount of people would know who Rocky Fielding is as fucking Sarah's meta. <laughs> Rocky Fielding is as, as well known as the bone saw. <laughs> I love how this, this just took a turn to fucking Canelo bashing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Canelo bashing. It's, I don't get it. It's the people that say that. Right, I, they I, like. Dude, I know where you're coming from. Like they show their hands. It's the same thing. Like stop being. Everybody is so fucking hypocritical about this. And if you're one of those people that reads BoxingScene.com articles and is like, oh, oh did you see that? Must be true. Oh, must be true. <laughs> Holy shit! Dan Rayfield's writing articles for Boxing Scene. Must be true. The shit that kills me more than anything is like. The way that people build up this Billy uh, Canelo Billy Joe Saunders fight, like this is this fight's all wrong for Canelo. Have you, did you guys see Billy Joe Saunders? Did you see what he did to David Lemieux? Ken, did you see that? Like that was first of all, that is Billy Joe Saunders' signature performance. Okay, he was using illegal substances, whatever the fucking, whatever they were, you've never, ever seen a performance from Billy Joe Saunders like that before. And you sure shit won't see one after because he can't use that shit that he was using the nasal spray, as they called it. Uh, <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders is the most overhyped fighter in the last 20 fucking years. If I have to listen to anybody one more person wax poetic about how brilliant of a boxer Billy Joe Saunders is, Ken. He's just brilliant. Punch perfect he is. Like, dude, the guy's okay, period. Capital O, capital K, period. That's it. There's nothing else. Billy Joe Saunders is not what he is made up to be by certain people, especially a Canelo fan that'll be like, I don't know if this fight's all wrong for Canelo. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? What who, who what are you talking about? Billy Joe Saunders is not all wrong for anybody that is in the top five of the middleweight division. He's not all wrong for any of them. Yeah. Um, dude, do you even heard uh, Frank Warren recently? Uh, did you see that article about that anonymous fucking uh, boxing executive that didn't have the fucking balls to show their face? And when he was like talking about like the dark side of boxing, it was a, it was an article in the Athletic by by I, I think our favorite fucking duo of fuzzy penises, Pugmire and Coppinger. <laughs> Did you see that article? I you you mentioned something to me, but I don't have an Athletic membership, so 
Okay. Well, it's free, so you should get one. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, but basically it's like a an, an, an anonymous executive, right? Like saying like all the things that everybody already fucking knows about boxing, right? Like acting like it's some big secret. Like if right? you don't, I could I already know what's going to be said. If you don't know, that's what, like boxing has been like this since the beginning of time. Yeah. So Frank Warren like comes on there to like, you know, basically say this is fucking bullshit, right? Like a lot of what was said in the article or whatever, but he talks about fighter contracts and he talks about how like, you know, um, you know, like fighter contracts aren't as like one-sided and like, it's not like you sign your life away for like the next 10 years, like his contracts, basically he went in like saying like when you're a developmental fighter, yeah, there's an expectation of how many fights that that fighter will get that year, but that, that that's reassessed every year that it's not like, you know, it's 20 fights over the next five years because you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where the fighter's going to go, how they're, how they're going to progress, whatever. But he also talks about how, yeah, like what, what was not, what was left out of the article was, is all the money that guys like, you know, Frank Warren says that I have to put up and invest in guys that you think are going to go to the top and they never make it. Right. And so you lose all that money. And then he goes, and then you have guys that you invest in their entire careers and they become complete fuck ups and stab you in the back and sign with Eddie Hearn, like Billy Joe Saunders. (laughs) 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 Where it's just like where, and he just basically like lays it out there saying like, yeah, like we invested a lot of money in this guy. We brought him up, like gave him all of his shots. And the guy was an unreliable fuck up is basically what he said that he, that, that, that he's just, become a turd you know what i'm saying who'd have thunk it ken billy joe yeah. saunders just seems like such a straight up guy to me wow this guy's a fucking head case man he's a loser <laughs> right I, he has been to me is like I, there's a few fighters that i like i will die on this mountain i don't care uh billy joe saunders is just not as good as people make him out to be like okay he's a white guy that's can box a little bit well whoop he fucking do he's the white adrian broner yeah pretty much you know, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, same level of, of, of like clownishness, same level of like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that fucking guy just said that. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's just nowhere near as funny as a B, you know? No, just no, not. dude. Adrian Broner's Instagram account is a must follow. This dude is, if you ever, his entire Instagram account is basically like, screenshots of strippers asking him to cash app them money. You've been, <laughs> you've been paying my mortgage for like two years, AB. <laughs> you can't cash at me 2000. And he, he's like, bitch, I ain't cash apping you 2000. 2000 ain't enough to pay for your cheap ass anyways. <laughs> oh dude, it is a must follow. It is. It is excellent. Oh. It is excellent. All right, buddy. That'll do it for the, for the fans segment here on the boxing rant. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd like to go ahead and apologize for that episode, but you know what? It is what it is, and for those of you that are still hanging on to our nutsacks, we appreciate it. (laughs) We do. There's a couple of them out there. Yeah, because uh, the times are are thin. We're all scraping by, and uh, hopefully we can provide you a little bit of entertainment. Um, Maybe somebody will say something you know that disrespects somebody else uh between now and the next week's episode so we can do another hour of he said she said on the boxing rant podcast (laughs) we need need something man god damn i know can like i mean dude we're gonna be probably covering ufc fight island (laughs) i don't want to do that (laughs) 
Oh, neither do I. <laughs> I'll watch it, though. Yes, I will watch it, but I don't want to cover it. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for episode 272 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher. Subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. You can check out the podcast in video format. Follow the show on all the social media platforms at the Boxing Rant. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. Uh, big up to our network, Blue Wire Podcasts. And our sponsor, betonline.ag. Thanks to Bet Online for presenting this episode of the show. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody. 